Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I want to welcome to the program the Executive Vice President of Policy and the Chief Economist at ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. Jonathan Williams, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Greetings from the land of make-believe up here in Washington, (laughs) D.C. Well, well, welcome. I do appreciate you making some time, and you are one of the... um, uh, one of the co-authors, right, of this uh, this Rich States, Poor States, 16th edition, along with Arthur Laffer and Stephen Moore. So uh, first off, tell us, what is this uh, this annual report? What do you guys look at? Well, we, uh, we've been putting this report together as a way for concerned citizens and business leaders, and especially state legislators in Raleigh and other state capitals, uh, to really have a way to measure themselves against the other 49 states to say, how do we stack up when it comes to how economically competitive we are, and what's our economic outlook going forward? And the things that we look at in the report to get the, the ranking that you talked about is uh, tax policy. We obviously just went through tax day. Uh, it's at the front of everybody's mind still. You know, regulations, labor policy, things that we know matter for economic growth in the future, but also, I think, just importantly, uh, things that state legislators directly can change in a given year. So I heard it referred to in the National Review article uh, that uh, what explains America's emerging Southern success story is that it has to do with low taxes, limited government, and liberty, or as I call them, the three L's, although I had a, a, a listener uh, send in a fourth L, which was liquid freon uh, air conditioning. Yes, I think that actually has helped contribute to the rise of the New South as well. Uh, so what do you think of the, uh, about that? Low taxes, limited government, liberty, and maybe or not air conditioning? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, you know, it is all about freedom and, and liberty, right? And the state governments that are doing well, the ones that are growing their economies, are the ones that people want to go to instead of leaving these high-tax states like New York and, and California and others, uh, they keep taxes low. They have a reasonable uh, regulatory environment, and uh, they, they welcome businesses in. They don't try to regulate them out or try to tax them out. That profit's not a dirty word, right? And the states that are getting it right, they do value the freedom of the individual. But the important thing there is that, you know, what empowers this freedom is the founders of America put together our system of federalism, right? That we have these 50 laboratories of democracy that allow Americans to vote with their feet and go across state lines when they don't like the living conditions in one state or don't have a job in one state and are looking to make themselves and their families' lives better off. And same thing with businesses. And so every single year, this is one of the most key findings of our book over the last decade and a half, is almost to a state, when you get it right when it comes to public policy, you're going to see more people wanting to come into your state. And of course, that brings in revenue, it brings in jobs, it brings in tax collections. And so that's the virtuous cycle of when you empower individuals and businesses to maximize their own future, it's something very healthy for the states. So when comparing the Carolinas here, um, I couldn't help but notice, so there are two different rankings, um, or numbers, I should say, that are uh, scores that the states uh, get here. One is economic performance rank, and the other is economic outlook rank. So we're number two. North Carolina is number two in the outlook ranking. So just looking forward, it's prospective. Uh, we're number two. We look very good. I think we're only behind Utah in that regard. 
But South Carolina's economic outlook ranking is 21. Um, But then you look at the economic performance ranking, and South Carolina is actually better than North Carolina. They're 9, and we're 10. So can you explain what those different uh, measurements are, the economic performance rank versus the economic outlook rank? Yeah, the performance rank is a backwards-looking measure going back 10 years, looking at uh, migration, as we were just talking about, talking through job creation and overall economic growth. And, uh, you know, South Carolina has been a generally better-than-average competitiveness state, as you point out, they're at 21 right now for economic outlook. And, you know, North Carolina, it's only been in really the last decade that North Carolina has really turned it around when it comes to competitiveness. If we were talking a decade ago, North Carolina would have ranked in the mid-20s in economic outlook. Outlook. And because of uh, then Speaker Tom Tillis and the legislature and Governor McCrory and others, you know, that became uh, a flat tax state. And you've done all the great things to make North Carolina this much more competitive. And the economic results are encouraging. But, you know, this has only been within the last 10 years that North Carolina has really turned the corner on becoming one of the most economically free states in the country. So sometimes the results do take uh, a time. And also South Carolina has a lot of positive things that they've done as well in terms of cutting taxes, maybe not as aggressive in North as in North Carolina's case but you know South Carolina is another great example of a state that's getting it right so are you aware, I'm sure you're aware of some of the criticisms that exist of this analysis I've got one here from Peter Fisher do you have you ever heard of this fella Peter Fisher with the uh, let me see here the Iowa policy project have you ever heard of this guy Oh, yes. They're the type that think that higher taxes are good for you. As <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they really don't uh, understand on a basic level why individuals and businesses are moving, right? I mean, in some sense, they'll say that it is just about the weather, that people are moving to the south, and that's why Florida and Texas are booming in their example. And it has everything to do about other things except for the things that actually do matter uh, for why people move. And we actually know this from the U.S. Census. They take a survey of why people move from one state to another. And number one on the list is economic opportunity. People are looking to make their lives better and their families' lives better. And by the way, if it was all about just the weather, I know your, your listener there was doing that half in jest, but, you know, if it was all about the weather, California would be booming. And, folks, California is the biggest out-migration state of jobs and capital and individuals, one of the highest over the last decade. I mean, in fact, they lost so many people, they lost a seat in the United States Congress because of the out-migration of California. And of course, they have the most beautiful weather on earth in California, but some of the worst policies and highest taxes. I think the great weather in California makes them all a little nuts. I, it's the only thing I can decipher. It's like if you live in that kind of perfect weather for so long, like you, something happens to your brain. Like you don't, like you have to go through you know, the different seasons, (laughs) you have to go through a winter in order to build some sort of mental toughness or something. I don't know. I I would love to see somebody study that. And also, like to your point about the weather, it makes sense that somebody in Iowa would be saying that it's only about the weather because they're in Iowa. So, I mean, that that does make sense uh, if you're trying to, you know, make up some some excuse for why people don't want to be in Iowa. But but his argument is that, look, all of the things that Alec is is rating highly – Right. These are things that I mean, he says uh, uh, this is stuff you're just you know promoting fiscal austerity, taxing lower income people more than wealthy uh, wage suppression. Um, uh, he says uh, it provides a recipe for economic inequality and declining incomes for most citizens and for depriving state and local governments of the revenue needed to maintain, you know, infrastructure and investments. So what's your response to, to the criticism? 
Uh, almost sounds like Joe Biden there. For a second. <laughs> I got confused. Uh, no, but I mean, really, the, the bottom line, and you know, Jack Kemp, who is a great friend of Alec and, of course, a real leader uh, nationally in, in the space in Congress and, and advocating for good tax policy for years, you know, put it this way, and I think he's exactly right. You know, in terms of austerity and that criticism, you know, you don't raise real revenue in the long term for a state by raising tax rates. You raise the amount of revenue for your state by having more taxpayers come into your state, more businesses open up in your state. And when you see the success of North Carolina, you've lived it. You've seen 600,000 new Americans come in on net over the last decade alone after you created the real tax reform that became a flat tax and did all the things that's made North Carolina the second best in rich states, poor states. And of course, the revenues keep coming in. You had so many revenues coming in. The surpluses are still there in Raleigh, and you had enough revenue to give teachers pay raises. Now, it doesn't sound like austerity to me. It sounds like when you get a tax policy right, you make yourself more competitive. It's going to be a holistic win for everybody across the board. It's one of the it's one of these arguments, and it's overly simplistic. But the first time I heard it, I said it makes sense when you say it like that. It's that you know this difference between that if you get a bigger piece of the pie, then I have to get a smaller one, but. It's it's also a failure to recognize that the pie grows, right? Like the the pie is not a static sized pie. That's right, exactly. And the, the upward mobility that is available in the states that are growing jobs versus the states that follow this formula on the other side that he would argue for, which is higher taxes and higher regulations and then more government involvement and subsidies. Uh, you know, these you know individuals are deciding that doesn't work for them. That's why they're leaving places like New York. If that was the sanctuary for, you know, individuals, right, New York would be booming too because they followed that approach that Reagan warned us of. If it moves, tax it. If it keeps moving, regulate it. If it stops moving, subsidize it. You know, that is the approach on the other polar opposite of what you all have been doing in North Carolina. And it's clear which, which one that American peoples, when they, when they have the ability to choose, and they do, they vote with their feet towards freedom every single time. I, but we're full, I think. We're full now, so if, if everyone could just stop coming now, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh, I kid. I South Carolina just needs to keep up. Yeah, there you go, exactly. Uh, Jonathan Williams, the Executive Vice President of Policy and Alex Chief Economist. I appreciate your time, sir. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. All right, take care. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. If you want to see the website is alec.org. You can see the uh, uh, the analysis, all the breakdown on you know how they rank all of the states and all of that. But it, you know, speaking of uh, state rankings, I came across this one and uh, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I'll explain in a minute. But according to language learning platform Preply, never heard of it, Preply, P-R-E-P-L-Y, or maybe it's Preply, like the toilet paper. I don't know. But um, according to the language learning platform Preply, South Carolina is the second 
slowest talking state in America. The second slowest talking state in America. Averaging 4.8 syllables per second. Louisiana is the slowest at 4.78 syllables per second. You know what a syllable is, right? It's the thing that you say when you're warming up your vocal cords and stuff on the, on the hot mic. Syllable, syllable, syllable. You do that. No, it also means like the number of, uh, I don't know, like, like chunks of a word. That's how I think about it. Like a syllable, like the word per, for example, P-E-R, per second, per minute, per mile, whatever. Per is one syllable, per. Second has two syllables, right? Two chunks of the word, right? Syllable has three. Okay, so four, four. So South Carolinians speak four point eight syllables per second. Louisiana is the slowest at four point seven eight, which is it's the same. Okay, so it's basically the last, basically last. According to Preply, Americans speak an average of five syllables per second. Oh, what? What? See what I mean? Like I got questions. So you're going to rank South Carolina as the slowest talking U.S. state or, or basically tied with Louisiana. Sorry, I shouldn't, I should not, okay, I should not blow out other people's candles in order to make ours appear brighter, okay? So I'm sorry, Louisiana. So Louisiana is the slowest, 4.78, South Carolina 4.8, but the American average is 5. We're talking point two of a syllable, a fifth of a syllable. That's like the, that. Like that's what we're talking about. It's a nanosecond. The fastest talking state. Do you, do you know what the fastest talking state is according to Preply, or Preply, like the toilet paper? You know. You know what the fastest talking state would be? Here, why don't I? I'll do it like a this day in history, and I'll ask our I'll ask our producers. So, Chris, Chris Farrell. What yeah, state do you think is the fastest speaking state? I'm going to guess New York. I just Bernie, shout it out. What do you think? Mm. There's only 50, and he already picked two, uh, <laughs> one. So let's go with uh, New Mexico. New Mexico. Interesting choice. That's sort of like the person that gives the weird number and the price is right when they're guessing to get up onto the stage. That. Oh, I'll get some million dollars. Okay. Interesting. So New Mexico is not, not the fastest talking state. And uh, Chris, New York, not even on the top 10. Right. See, I got quite like, I'm doubting this entire thing now because I hear myself talk and I speak kind of fast or quickly to be grammatically correct. Number one, Minnesota. Yeah. No, I'm not buying this. I'm Minnesota. Hey. Really? Minnesota is the fastest talking state at 5.34 syllables per second. Minnesota. Followed by Oregon, Iowa, Kansas, North Dakota, Massachusetts, New Hampshire. Have you met someone from New Hampshire? What are you talking about? Then South Dakota, Nebraska, and Vermont. These are the fastest talking states. You know what the 10 slowest talking states are? Louisiana, South Carolina. Yes, because I already told you those. Yes. Okay. But after that, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, and coming in at number six, 
New Mexico. Yeah. Followed by Arkansas. And at number eight, North Carolina. Then Texas and Illinois. The Southeast represented seven of the uh, the slowest talking states. Southeast, Southwest um, are the only U.S. regions that are not included among the states with the fastest speakers. Yeah, but you notice New Jersey, not in there either. Connecticut, not in there either. Right? And you go, you're going up into, like, Canada there with, like, Vermont and New Hampshire. I'm not buying it because I've met people from up there, and they talk real slow. All right, now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at CarolinaReadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? There's another list that's uh, part of this Preply. Uh, I don't even know what this thing is. It's a report, a study, a study. Another part of the Preply study is the most talkative states. Okay, so we find out who speaks the fastest and who speaks the slowest, right? Who rhymes fast sometimes and who rhymes slowly other times. We have found this out. But we have also found out the most talkative states. Hmm? The most talkative states. Got a tweet here from Timoteo who says, Beware the southern boys. They talk, sorry, they talk slow, but think fast. <laughs> Think fast. Um, I forget who it was. I think it was a comic that I saw who had said something like uh, the difference between like uh, uh, getting into a verbal scrape or like the differences between, you know, uh, up north and down south. And I remember this. I remember witnessing this uh, in my own life. So I you know, grew up in New York on Long Island, came down to go to college at Winthrop University and, and stayed, right? And I've been in the Charlotte area ever since 1992. So uh, I, I remember hearing this, and I believe it to be true, which is uh, that up north, they usually, uh, like, if you start to get into, like, a verbal altercation with somebody, they'll spend more time telling you what they will do to you if they have to fight you, right? Whereas down south, they just fight you. <laughs> there's none of the there's none of the precursor right? there's none of the if i have to come over there oh i'm gonna do this to you there's none of that there's none of that uh mark says hey watch it i'm from new hampshire well we all have our cross to bear i'm just kidding i'm just i'm not believing oh actually i should read it i should have read the new hampshire i new hampshire new hampshire owen new hampshire uh i should have read mark's tweet like this Hey, watch out of New Hampshire. Right, because they speak so fast, after all. Um, look, and here's the thing, too. Like, this survey and the measurements and all that, they're, they're measuring syllables per second, and the difference here is half a syllable. Half a syllable. A syllable is a. Uh. A. Uh. So half of that, it's a. Uh, right, that's what we're, it's like a hiccup. This is the difference? 
So what are the 10 most talkative states? Do you guys want to take a shot at this? We have most talkative and least talkative. I'll give, uh, I'll give Chris and Bernie the opportunity to, uh, to guess at these two. Most talkative states. Chris. Uh, Florida. Bernie. California. What was yours? California. California is number two. Oh, Florida, not on the list, Chris. New York, which you said earlier, most talkative state. So we talk a lot. That's, I mean, I'm not even from New York. Well, I'm from New York. I don't live in New York anymore. But I do talk a lot more, I feel like, when I go back to visit. Anyway, then uh, California, then New Jersey, Nevada, Maryland, New Mexico, South Carolina, Texas, North Carolina, Arizona. So we're on we're on the list for the ninth most talkative state. Least talkative states. What do you want to say about that one? Least talkative states. Chris. Alaska. Oh, that's a good guess. Less likely to have anybody to talk to. But maybe they talk to themselves due to the cabin fever. Yeah, but there's no way to quantify that. That's true. You would not be able to measure it like the tree (laughs) falling in the forest. Right, right. Bernie, what do you think? Least talkative states. Uh, Utah. There's one you don't hear a lot. Utah. Nobody ever picks Utah. Well, Alec did. They were the number one economic outlook. That's who we came in second to was Utah. Utah not on the list, though. Not of the least talkative states. Um, What did you say, Chris? Alaska. Alaska. Oh, wait. Number eight. Number eight. Alaska was number eight. Iowa, the least talkative state. So, wait a minute. Iowa is the third fastest talking state, but it is the least talkative state. What, what, what can we determine from this information? Efficiency? Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe, like, you don't see enough people very often along the lines of your Alaska hypothesis that you're not yes. seeing people, so when you do run into them, you feel like you got to just, just blurt everything out all at once. <laughs> That's, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. It's science. Number two, least talkative state, Minnesota. Oh, wait a minute. That was the fastest talking state. I think this is proof. Minnesota, fastest talking, but least talkative. Iowa, third fastest talking, least talkative. Wisconsin, Kansas, Oklahoma, South Dakota, North Dakota, Alaska, Montana, Nebraska. Like, these are all the same as the fastest talking states. That's That's the connection. We just scienced the crap out of that. All right, next up, I have a theory on this. I heard this story yesterday on the news, and I have a theory. The story was that it is now okay to bring your dog to the restaurant if, you, if you're going to be in the outdoor dining seating area, if state and local laws allow it, and the restaurant allows it. Okay, so a bunch of boxes to check off here, okay, but the key is that the FDA... The Food and Drug Administration, and we all trust them, the FDA says that it is okay from a a food perspective, right, that you can have a dog in an outdoor dining area. All right. This is an update to the 2022 FDA food code. The first, I thought, the first rule about food code was that you do not talk about food code, but apparently I was mistaken. The agency explicitly states... That its health rules, quote, allow for pet dogs in outdoor dining areas where approved. Okay. 
Here's my theory. The people who bring their dogs everywhere have terrible dogs. And it's not the dog's fault. This is the Caesar Milan thing, right? That's Caesar Milan too. It's the owners. The owners are terrible. They're, they're not good. They don't train their dogs well, right? And so the dog becomes the alpha pack leader because it, it doesn't, it sees you're not doing it. And you're talking to it like this all the time. And it doesn't know what that tone means. And so it just rips everything to shreds. Barks all the time. You get complaints from all the neighbors when you leave the dog alone. So you can't leave your dog alone. So you got to take it everywhere. That's why you see all these people running around with their dogs. That's my theory. I mean, it's a working theory. But I think there's some solid evidence. It's just, I mean, it's like people bring their dogs out and they think that, oh, the dog is, you know, so fantastic and all this. Like, no, your dog is running all over the place. It's barking at people. It smells a little bit and it's panting in my beer, you know, like that kind of thing. Dogs are not allowed indoors or anywhere food is prepared, even to walk through to an outdoor patio. Okay. So if you don't have outside access to the patio, you don't get to walk the dog through. All right. So what do you think? There's another angle to this story about the dog. Oh, and I got a, what, uh, Bernie said he got a call from somebody who said that he has a very well-trained dog, which everybody always says about their own dogs. Um, and, um, I just like, yeah. And so, all right, I won't say, well, all right. Okay. I'll say, I don't know the specifics of who it was that called. I'm not impugning anybody, but I will say like, I've never met anybody who has admitted that they have a, a poorly trained dog. Right. Well, okay. Bernie, well, but you just got him. Right, so there's like this window there. There's like a honeymoon phase where you could say, oh, you know, we just got him, and so we're trying to train him, and like you could say that. But once you have a dog for a long period of time, and I don't know how long that is, maybe like, I don't know, four days, five days, right? Once you're past the four or five-day mark, one week, let's say a week. No, I'm kidding. But once you, like, once you have it a long time and the dog is not behaving well, it's like, that's your fault, right? So... Everyone always thinks they have a well-behaved dog. But this guy says, or this caller said he has a well-behaved dog, and he brought it to, a, a, I guess, a brewery, he said. And somebody let their kid run up to the dog. Just like, ah, you know, like run up to the dog, waving hands and petting it and stuff. But like, that's, you know, parents, you're, my goodness. Like, what are you, dog owners? Like, you, no. I mean, come on. You don't know, you don't know whether that dog is trained well or not. And then the dog attacks your kid. Just so here's the other problem I have with this. They're not restaurants are not allowed if they allow the dogs on the outdoor patios, they're not allowed to discriminate based on breed. <laughs> you can't discriminate based on breed. Now, mind you, states have laws. North Carolina has laws about quote dangerous breeds, right? So if a state has a law saying something about the dangerous breed. Then the restaurant, but the restaurant's not allowed to do any kind of discrimination against the kind of dog that is a dangerous breed. And I know, save me the phone calls. I've heard the defense of all the different breeds before. I know, I get it. But here's the bigger outrage. To me, this is the this is the one. Cats are still banned. What's up with that? What's up with that? Why? Well, I, I know people. There is a listener to this program, lifelong listener, well, as long as the program has been around, the life of the program, that takes their cat out for a walk on a leash. Why can't that cat come out? Why? You know why, right? Because the dogs. Exactly. Because the dogs. Two six-packs of shiners. 
99 cent butane lighter Lucky strikes in a fifth of Patron Ice down that igloo cooler Take a gas at all to do her I can feel a good one coming on Throw in Ray Wiley Hubbard Sing along to Redneck Mother Any blues I had before are gone Another working week is over No chance of staying sober Right, because you could bring your cats to a place. I've seen these places. They do like cat book readings, cat clubs and stuff, cat coffee houses. Right. But because the dogs are there, you got to discriminate against the cats. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang followed us down to the lake and didn't have to think about that too long. Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight. Situation couldn't be more right. I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we gonna roll all night We gonna get the feeling right We gonna keep this party rocking Till the break of dawn Yeah, I can feel a good one Feel like a good one I can feel a good one coming on By the way, the FDA also revised some other guidelines. They say, uh... Food donations. Restaurants can donate surplus food as long as it's prepared and stored according to FDA safety rules. Oh, so the dogs, they get to dine on the outdoor patios and the cats get stuck with the doggy bag. I got gotcha. you. I see how it is. All right. We'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. We are-